boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. It's Binge Boys, we're gonna start talking. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me on Zoom is Lon Harris, joining me for the only show where we talk streaming. Where That's people it, talk the only streaming. podcast hosted by two white guys who watched things. That's it. Yes, yes, don't we were the fact first. check that. Do not We planted our flag. That. We were like, look. What if we got two white guys? Yes. Had a lot of opinions, a lot of things to say oh, about sure. everything, mm-hmm. whether or not it had anything to do with them, just thoughts of opinions. What if they watched things and then presumed everybody cared what they thought and mm-hmm. uh, broadcast these ideas to the world? And you know what? We're brave enough to do it. Lon, very we're, brave we're of the you. Two. Very brave of us. <laughs> no one so far following in our footsteps. We're the trailblazers. We'll see. One day pop culture will catch up to us. Indeed. Lon, how goes it? Fine. I'm doing all right. You know, I mean, uh, look, I am, I'm, I'm, I feel like a few weeks ago in terms of pandemic, we were all at a real low point. It felt like this was never going to end. Uh, Things were just not progressing well. Uh, and I, I feel like that on that level, we've sort of rounded a corner a little bit. Yeah, we're hearing that all the vaccine, uh, there'll be enough vaccines out there to vaccinate every American by the end of May. Yeah, and like I think I, people are starting to know people who have gotten the vaccine. My like, mommy you, got the vaccine. I'm very happy about yeah, that. Yeah, both of my parents. And I, I, I just, I, I feel like finally it looks like there's a little bit of hope in the future. So I've been, I've been feeling a little better the last week or so. I'm glad to hear that, Lon. What's your, what's your shirt say? Oh, it says the new dark times. It was like a fundraiser. This was also in the pandemic, but earlier in the pandemic. I don't even remember what we were raising funds for at that point. But uh, I thought it was sort of like it's in the New York Times font, but it's the new dark times. Because gotcha. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's horrible. Yes, yes. But did you hit the mark? Did you... Did you hit the goal? Well, it was that I was not the one raised. Like, I didn't make the shirt and raise the funds. I just bought a shirt and contributed. I'm presuming they reached their goal. Lon, this conversation is a dead end. I'm sorry I asked about the shirt. Well, so that's what can you do? It's a narrative cul-de-sac, much like the Snyder Cut. (laughs) Uh, Transitions. Nicely done, Lon. Thank you. What's happening in the the state of streaming news, pop culture news right now that... uh, that you got on the docket. I think the first thing we should talk about, the thing that everyone, it seems like, on social media, on the internet is talking about, WandaVision, we are recording this on a Wednesday, which means the finale tomorrow night, if you can stay up late enough. I will not. I'll watch it on Friday day. The the season finale, maybe the series finale, we don't know. Does I don't feel like this one will be back for a season two. Really? You think? I don't know. I mean, look, they haven't said it's definitely not coming back, so there's a possibility. Seems like there's so many loose ends. I want. Plus, I think there's. I, I think there's uh, more. Uh, more Randall Park and uh, and folks to enjoy. Here's what we know. On some level, this story does have to resolve. We can't leave it open ended that there's a massive hex in the middle of America that's just like that's not going to. It's remain. not in the middle of America. It's in New Jersey. But anyway, that's not going to stay 
throughout. Something's going to happen that leads from this into Doctor Strange 2, which mm. would be before a season two of WandaVision. So even if Wanda on some level returns with a show, it wouldn't be a real follow-up to this. It would be something else in several years in the MCU's future. That's too interconnected to just come back for a, a traditional season two. But we know, like, Loki will be back for a season two, so presumably that happens in a more far-flung point in the Marvel Universe that won't impact as many things. But this is gotcha. America, baby. We can't just let this happen. Yeah, I wonder, uh, would they just uh, a one-off, a limited series? I... Well, yeah, hmm. I mean, I think that we presumed a lot of these shows just because they have movie stars in them and they're very expensive. Like, I don't think just because they're putting something on Disney Plus, they're guaranteeing it's going to go six seasons in a movie. A lot of these are going to be limited series. Some of them will come back. But I think a lot of them are going to be like little fill-in because you're talking about a universe. You're talking about an ongoing shared universe of stories. So episodic TV doesn't really play as well in that sandbox. I think it's going to be the same for... Star Wars, like they'll do what they can to keep these popular things going, but it's a little bit spinning plates. You can only keep so many shared universe stories going at once. You know, it would be funny and uh, really meta if WandaVision kept going and then parodied WandaVision. Wow. How would you do that? It's just a, it's a parody. Of, it I don't have all the answers. Yeah, or or... Or any, really. You I know, have I, poor suggestions. You know what I think? WandaVision should really parody Bosch. Why are we, where, where, where's, what, where are the Bosch fans? How are they supposed to get a, a hold in this universe? Oh, yeah. That's what people are clamoring for. By the way, they did announce, I, I don't have this as a part of our news breakdown in general, but I'll add it in here anyway. Did you see that they announced today a spinoff of Bosch? So Bosch is on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, it's about uh, it's about a, a rogue L.A. cop who... He's an uh, L.A. detective named Harry Bosch. Mm-hmm. He's played by Titus Welliver, who you've seen in many other things. He was the, the man in black uh, on Lost. Uh, you know, he, he was recently in The Mandalorian. He was the... Uh, he was an imperial officer in The Mandalorian. So they're going... He's This is the last season of Bosch, but they're announced that it's going to be a spinoff on IMDb TV... They're like free with ad streaming service. And it's also going to star Titus Welliver and also be about Bosch. So it's like, you're just making more Bosch. That's not a spinoff. Uh-huh. They're just switching. It's on Amazon and they're going to put it on IMDb TV. Gotcha. Uh, I did have, well, while we were talking WandaVision, I had one more question I wanted to ask you. So there was that line from WandaVision's most recent episode uh, that, that got a lot of attention on the internet. Vision says to Wanda... What is grief but love persevering? Very divisive on the internet. Became a meme, people making fun, other people saying they were very affected by it emotionally. Where did you, Hal, come down on that on that debate? Completely unaffected by it. Didn't even, uh, d- d- but... It rolled right off of you in the show. Absolutely. But I found, in retrospect, seeing all the memes, oh, that is a memeable statement. Uh, what is grief but blank? And then insert shit talk here. Or what is blank but blank persevering? I think you could you could have a little you could have a little fun there. Uh, I don't I don't I, like what is what is farts but butts persevering? 
Yeah, I think a lot of it was there was a tweet that somebody wrote that was like, oh, my God, every other screenwriter in the world just wanted to fucking kill themselves because they heard how amazing this line is. And I think any line, like, there's no line of dialogue so good that if you said something like that about it, people wouldn't kind of make fun of you for being a little over the top. So I don't think that really reflects on the line. I think it's a good, well-written line. I think it just got, no, nothing could stand up to a tweet like that going viral. Anything would seem ridiculous if you were like, oh my God, it's the most poetic and beautiful thing. Like, you know. Yeah, and then plus you, you have the thing of the robot guy saying, what is love but grief? persevere or what does grief thought, but love persevere so it, it's like i thought paul bettany did a good did a good job with it he's a good actor I, I i believe that vision had that level of an insight i buy it oh sure i mean he he's he's ai this this ain't uh he yeah he ain't no roomba his cpu is a is a neural net processor a learning computer there you go you know what that's from Oh. My, how about if I say it like this? War games. I don't. My know. CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. T two. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all. That's all it took, really. Uh, all right. So, but that, there's one vision. Uh, lots of there are lots of guesses online. I don't feel at this point like I know enough about Marvel comics to give you an educated guess right. about what's going to happen. Can so we, we can rewind skip over that. back to T two for a moment? Sure. Can I Always. can I ask you something about Edward Furlong? Please. Did you ever see Edward Furlong's turn as the crow? Of course. Oh my gosh. All right. What a, what a question. Did you honestly think I was going to tell you I'd never watched the Eddie Furlong crow movie? I mean, how many crow movies are there? There's a lot of crow movies. There's I think there's got to be there's got to be like 4 or 5 I think at this point. Crow like, movies. If Lon, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm not doing my due diligence because prior to seeing that, I saw it probably very early in the pandemic. I he, probably saw it like last in, April or March. He's he's in like he's not in one of the he's in like the last one. I want to say there are four Crow movies. Okay, and that he is in the last one. And I know the first like there's the Crow, which is the Brandon Lee. I think it's 1994, the original. Oh yeah. And then there's the Crow City of Angels, which was a few years later, mm-hmm. uh, and that that one I believe Vincent Perez is is the is the crow. And then there, I want to say there's two more, and there's one I'm forgetting that's in between. And then there's the last, the fourth one, which was Edward Furlong. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to look it up and confirm or disconfirm everything I just told you. Not an impressively done movie. No. Well, honestly, like I like the first one is great, but it's all style. It's not like it's a great story. It's just Alex Proyas, the guy who did Dark City, yes. just directed the hell out of it. And it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. because it's just a it's super nineties and it's it's a total exercise. Okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Yes. I was right. The Crow is ninety four, the Crow City of Angels was nineteen ninety six. It was indeed Vincent Perez. Here here's where I started to forget. In 2000, you have The Crow, colon, Salvation. That's Eric Mabius, Mobius is the star. But look at this. Kirsten Dunst is the female lead in that one. Oh, wow. Wow. Taking it back. And then number four, The Crow, Wicked Prayer. And that is uh, Edward Furlong. Listen to the rest of this cast. David Boreanaz, Tara Reid, Emmanuel Shriekwe, Shrieky. She was in Entourage. Uh, and Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper in that one. Wow. What, what, what a, a, a 
one of his final roles, probably. Must have been. And then uh, there was a syndicated TV series with Mark DeCascos. Uh, oh, yes, from uh, Stairway to John Heaven. John Wick. Right. Uh, Mark DeCascos. But from uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. um, also, uh, one of the stars of The Lost Medallion, The Adventures of Billy Stone, which I was also in. Yeah, look at this guy. Uh, so thank you for joining us for our special Binge Boys All the Crow episode. We're going to go one by one. Yes. All these Crow movies. No, we're well, oh, yeah. Uh, Lon, when's our Crow-a-thon? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, I do remember uh, the Crow, I guess, Stairway. What was it? The Wicked Prayer, which was Crow the Crow Salvation, Terminator Salvation, Terminator 2, Edward Furlong, Crow. Wow. Okay. You've done it. You've tied it all together. Let's move on. We've got lots oh, more news. please. I beg of you to move on. Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. You, yes, you, and one of the stars of Bliss, along with Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek, which we talked about a, a, a little while back. I can't believe you're also forgetting another recent film in which Bill Nye appeared. Mank! Oh. Uh, Upton Sinclair and Mank! Oh, yes! Damn it! Damn it! Oh, how well I, I need to I need to turn in my mank card. You need to go back to the mank bank, my friend. Oh my god. I oh I need to drink a, a I, I I need to drink a defeated shot just like David Fincher for that I, one. I, yeah, I was just like, well, here we go, back into Mank World with Hal Rudnick, the Mank lover, and then no no mention of Mank. Anyway, uh he is coming back with a new show for Peacock. Uh, it's going. It's called "The End Is Nigh." Clever play on words. Ha <laughs> oh, ha. Sure. Well done. Oh, sure. And every episode will explore a different potential disaster, man-made or natural, that could wipe out humanity. And then here are some things science and technology could theoretically do to prevent or stave off this disaster. Do you have a list of any of the topics? I don't. They didn't. They. I don't have a specific one. But I think you know, like an, an asteroid hitting. Climate change. Jewish space lasers. Jewish space lasers. A lot. Uh, four out of the eight episodes are just about Jewish-related threats, which I thought a little over the top, Bill. A but, little. You know. Two I could understand. Yeah. like well, that, That's, listen, when you let the guy make his own show, it's just going to come in with his own ideas. About- I mean, that's what happens when you have Marjorie Taylor Greene in the writer's room. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, look. A lot of there's a, a lot of stuff about the Jews in here. Like, are we talking about the end of the world or what? Because we know that they're there. I mean, anything that gets us talking that much more about science, and because I, I think uh, the past four years have been an attack, have been a war on facts. Sure, I mean, science is great, but I don't. I, there's so much doomsday, all sci-fi. Like it used to be, most sci-fi was was kind of bleak. But every once in a while, you'd still get something like a hopeful vision of the future. Now it is just nothing. Like every single sci-fi film is like, all right, so after the apocalypse, we're all trash monsters. Here's a story about a single uh, a single weed growing in the dumpster that is Earth. And and like I get that. Things look bad. I'm not saying things don't look bad. Yeah, we're, uh, we're coming out of uh, a global pandemic. Yeah, here. There, there is a place for a dystopian vision in sci-fi, but it's just it's so overwhelming. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind something that wasn't just like, look, we're all probably going to die, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we could do this one thing and then not die. Probably not, though. I, I mean, sure, but th- then where's the conflict? <laughs> 
can't have a science documentary without conflict. It's the first I mean, you could have, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you could have science <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about a documentary. Sure. No, and it's true, like nature documentaries, it's never just, here's a frog. It's like, this frog's got to get over there, and there's a fucking predator in the way. You're right, like, those, those, those documentaries always have conflict. Wait, a frog has to get over there, and the predator is in the way? Yeah. Looking is, at him with his heat vision? The predator, yeah. It's like with the little with the little mounted shoulder laser thing, just looking right. out for frogs. Oh boy! I, yeah, I'm just saying, like you can't just have like. There's never just the nature documentary, the penguins. They got a fucking march, man. There's, they they got a task. Wait, the nature documentary, the penguins, where a bunch of Oswald Cobblepots are living in a community. Well, that that just doesn't make sense. How could there be multiple Oswald clones? Yeah, That's maybe not, just like his, the maybe just like the emperor had a little fish tank full of his, Snokes. His bit is umbrellas and uh, long cigarette holders and going. Wah, wah, wah. His bit is not clones. That's I like totally your, different. I like your penguin impression. That's a totally different bit. Uh, let, let, let's we we've exhausted that. Moving on, <laughs> Mike Tyson. You remember him? Of course I remember Mike Tyson, uh, heavyweight champion and weed enthusiast. Also, the inspiration for Mike Tyson Mysteries. That's right. Uh, so anyway, not just the star of Mike. The star of Mike Tyson Mysteries on Adult Swim, along with several groundlings, folks, Hugh Davidson and the gang. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Mike Tyson, a, a dangerous man to upset, and yet they have. He's very upset with Hulu. Yeah, he'll knock you the their- fuck out. About their upcoming scripted series, Iron Mike, that's from the I, Tanya writer-director team. Uh, it's based on his life. He's very angry about it. He went on Instagram and he posted that they are stealing a black man's life story during Black History Month. Well, the I, Tanya team, I'd be upset too because they're casting Sebastian Stan as Mike Tyson. That, that which is just like, look, I'm sorry. I know you could do a lot with deep fakes and digital effects <laughs> kidding, now, but I'm just, kidding. I'm not buying. Uh, and, and anyway, he also hinted that he has his own authorized series or project in the works as well. Now, this is different. There's All a of movie. this is different than the Jamie Foxx Mike Tyson story. That okay. Everything's coming up Tyson. This is a Hulu series. This was just announced last week. Uh, Iron Mike, it is called. And different uh, and from he, the James Toback documentary about Mike Tyson. Different from Black and White. The that's not a documentary. No, J- no, there is a no, there is a Mike Tyson. Oh, he directed. You're right, James Toback also directed. Yeah, in my, it was like his show, his one man show. You're right. No, 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 that was directed by Spike Lee. James Toback did a sit down with Mike Tyson prior to. Oh, okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of looking there's a back lot of on Tyson related content. There's a lot of Tyson media. I thought you were referring to that that terrible movie he's in, that black and white, that James Toback movie. Oh, there. sure. That's about all about celebrity and uh, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like, uh, yeah, degenerate gamblers. And mm-hmm. whatever. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen Brett Ratner's also in that? Movie? Brent, Brett Ratner? Oh, he is on screen, a rare on screen appearance from another one of America's sweethearts, Brett Ratner. The director of X2, X3. Well, just a, a terrible man. Yeah. Just forget uh, I mentioned. Lon, have you seen the any of the interviews where Mike Tyson gets pissed off at the interviewer? Sure, that happens all that happens all the time. Yeah, that that's good stuff. Like, there's one where he's in town, I think, promoting a tour of his one man show, and the interviewer brings up Mike Tyson's rape charges, 
and Mike Tyson gets so furious, and it is some of the the yeah. best cringe uh, viewing. Uh, not just charges. Is conviction. oh conviction. He's a convicted yeah con- convicted rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three spent three years in prison uh, on a rape conviction. I think. I mean, to me, I think that's what this is really about. He doesn't want to say it, but obviously, if you're Mike Tyson, an authorized project is is not going to dwell on domestic abuse allegations rape convictions prison time it's going to focus on the 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 more upbeat parts of the story the the victory you know the 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 rags to riches and i think that um you know i think that he doesn't he knows that that's what obviously the itanya team is going to include that and he would much rather people focus on a more upbeat version of the story i just feel like what can you really expect people are going to find out you're you're a bad guy. <laughs> you know, like you got to talk about that Buster Douglas law. You can get all the face tattoos you want. It's not going to distract us forever. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't. Uh, I, th- I think there's just too much Tyson uh, content. Yeah. I. We don't need this many Tyson projects. I. I didn't really love Itanya either. Maybe that's just me. It felt like they were trying to have it both ways. Like, ha ha! Look at these rednecks. But then in the next scene, be like, how dare you make fun of these people just because of where they're from? They're they're real Americans just like you, and it's wrong to judge them. And then literally two seasons later, like, look at that guy. It's ridiculous. Then two seasons later, like, you're listen, you're, it's wrong to put people into, into different categories and holes. And this is about you being judgmental. It's like, well, pick, pick a lane. Yeah, and the, the, tonally, just like you're saying, it, it really went back and forth because uh, Tanya Harding, she experienced a lot of abuse and uh, unfortunate situations in her life, and they tried to like play very just down-the-middle serious with uh, some of the abuse she suffered at the hands of her husband, at the, uh, at the hands of her mother, and then were laughing and having a good old time in the very next scene. So, yeah, it's, yeah I, I, was, I absolutely hear a lot of yeah, A lot of thematic Tonal whiplash there. All right, moving on. Uh, so big, a lot of big winners from the streaming world at the Golden Globes this week. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, all Tacoma, a bunch of prizes. Nomadland director Chloe Zhao became only the second woman in history, Hal, to win a Golden Globe for her directing. Oh, my goodness. Here's what I would like to know. Can you name the first woman in history to win a Golden Globe for her directing? And what movie? I bet it's not going to be one of the first ones that comes to your mind. Okay, so I'm thinking out loud. These are not my guesses. This is just my thought processes. Because you would out think loud. like like one uh, like like Catherine Bigelow was a notable Oscar winner for Zero well, Dark then Thirty. It's obviously not going to be Catherine Bigelow for Hurt Locker. Uh, I'm I'm thinking. Uh, I mean Jane Campion for the piano. I'll just say Jane Campion piano. That's a great guess. It's not that. It's Barbara Streisand for the 1983 film Yentl. 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 Barbara Streisand's win for Yentl, the only My other woman. My mother loves Yentl. Of course, that and that's why it what like it's it's the you know those are that's who's voting for the the Golden Globes. Hal's mom. My mom is not a president member of, the of the Hollywood Foreign, Foreign Press Association. Not a lot of people know that about Mom Mama Rudnick, but <laughs> she likes to keep that on the down low. <laughs> like her secrets out, yeah. Lon, let me ask you, what did you think of this Zoom-centric Golden Globes? Um, I could lie to you and tell you that I watched it, but I'm not going to do that. I respect you and our podcast listeners, all 20 of them, too much. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I have seen some clips and some highlights, 
But I, I, I listen. I, I'm in enough zooms. I'm in a zoom right now, folks. Yes. I don't need even a celebrity I zoom. I watched um, it. it. No, I, 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 I was, I was sort of checking in and out. I was following the winners on Twitter, but no, I, I got listen. You I got follow all the winners on Twitter, and if you weren't following them, you went to their page and clicked follow. No, I mean I followed who was winning, not that I clicked follow on everybody who won. Lon, um, you follow the who's who of Tinseltown, the glitterati, if you know what I mean, folks. <laughs> Uh, One other big win, uh, a a weird choice of category, Minari, which I really want to see, I have not seen yet, uh, which is an American-made film about a Korean-American family living in America. Nonetheless, it won Best Foreign Language Film because they frequently speak in Korean. Yeah, I think think that's uh, a crock of shit that it uh, wasn't nominated. Uh, The entire notion of a award for foreign language film as opposed to like the oscars recently changed it to international film which i feel like is much better yes because it implies that we have a like america language and these are the foreign language movies but we do not there is no official america language with good cause mm-hmm. it, it's sort of come as you are that's how that's how it works in america yeah like speak whatever the fuck you want that there's no official language. like we all are using english at the bank. Yeah, otherwise it's a slippery slope from people who are like, learn the language or get the hell out of the country. Exactly. You know? And like, all that English should be the official language is like, well, because you're a bigot. But like most of us who accept that melting pot immigration, that's what America's all about. Uh, so anyway, it seems but really between, silly. To- between learned guys like you and me, we know that the official language is Italiano. It's true. The, the only true American. Are Italian. Take it from these two Jews. Yes. The only real Americans. But, Although that's true. Jews and Italians, a lot there's a there is an affinity there. They're they're related groups. Yeah, but I to like. but to put that film in uh foreign language, whereas uh it was made by American filmmakers and it's a very American it's story. A, right. It's a it's about being in America. That that, that that's what feels weird about it. There we go. Some stories from from the Golden Globes this year. It was very Uh, funny, though. I couldn't. I love that Daniel Kaluuya won. uh, Judas Judas and the Black Messiah, great film. We talked about it here, but it was oh, just fucking laughable that the first acceptance speech was on mute. (laughs) They they cut to Daniel Kaluuya and he was muted, and I'm like, welcome to 2020 slash 2021. That was just indicative of. The whole thing. I um, the, he he shouted out a uh, there is a a London a like apparently a very well known London rap song uh, called "The Game's Mine" by Seabiz. And after he shouted, because he was like, I listened to this song before all of my Fred Hampton speeches to like get myself pumped up, and I listened to it, and it's just really it's it's very very funny if you're from America to listen to a British rap song. Like I'm not and listen. I, I'm, it's a cultural difference. I'm not saying it's better word. Like, I'm not trying to be judgmental here or whatever. It's just funny because the points of reference are so. Oh, sure. Well, I've dabbled. Completely in, different. I've dabbled in uh, some UK rap. I've enjoyed the rap stylings of Dizzy Rascal. Uh, uh, um, the streets. The it's streets. The slang and the way that you brag and the kinds of things that you talk about doing are just so different. 
And yet it's familiar because it's the same genre. It's She's same a fly bird and I like what's in her knickers. Yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> honestly, you're joking. It's a little bit like that. Anyway, highly recommended if or you are fly American. Bird, not fly bird, fit, a fit bird. Yeah, right. Oh, I think there are lines about girls being super fit in this. Uh, anyway, CBiz, the game's mine. Highly recommended. I enjoyed the hell out of that video. Uh, yeah, I think they go get like, they're eating like curry, like a bunch of them like mob up into, I believe it is an Indian restaurant. Oh, hell uh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, a large uh, Indian popu- East Indian population. Oh, no. I, I've had curry yeah. in London. Delicious. Uh, same, same, same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's, uh, that, 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 I've got one more news story before we move on to reviews. Yeah. Now that we both let everybody know, we've been to London. We've both been to London. Two different guys, separate <laughs> trips, managed to go to one of the world's largest and most populated cities. I just wanted you guys to know that. Don't think you're just, the, you're not listening to two hayseeds here. We're yeah. international traveling. I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> Cosmopolitan gentlemen here. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> London. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Good curry in London. Take that one home with you. New York, London, Paris, Munich. Everybody talking about pop music. I've been to two of those three places. Not Munich, though. Yeah, I've never been to. But I've seen Munich. See the, the Spielberg film. Yes, with Eric, starring Eric Bana. Also okay. very sophisticated and continental. Uh, so our last story here, there is a Netflix show called Ginny in Georgia. Uh, it's been compared a lot to Gilmore Girls. It's like very mature teen and her free spirit. Uh, flaky mom moved to a small town. Oh, That's is this the, the Catherine setup. Heigl? No, uh, that is Firefly Lane, which is Sarah Chalk and Catherine Heigl. And they are lifelong gal pals. Different show. How dare you, by the way? How dare you? But also, this is a show. It's a it's a white mom, biracial daughter. They are a mismatched odd couple pairing, and they move to, I believe, New England small town. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's getting mocked a lot, this show, anyway, for, like, kind of cheesy, silly dialogue. There's a discussion that some teens have about being biracial that went viral last week. This week... Uh, there is a joke in the pilot where one girl says to another, you go through more men than Taylor Swift, or you go through men faster than Taylor Swift, gotcha. to which to which Taylor herself took uh, issue on social media this week. She called the joke uh, deeply sexist uh, and all of the the Taylor nation got very upset with Ginny and Georgia. And then just the other day, Todd Hall, former YouTuber, uh, Taylor's friend and Corey, sometime choreographer. He got in trouble trying to defend Taylor. It's just going on and on and on. The one thing I'll say about it is Taylor puts her love life on display in her music oftentimes, talking about so very highly publicized. Even, you know, and we see like the weird photo shoots that she did with like Tom Hiddleston when they were dating or whatever. But, you know, all that aside, you know, I think leave this person alone, allow her to um, be private and live. But then if you're going to put it in your music and you're, you're going to put it on front street like that, then it's like, well, uh, listen, I don't, I I think it's, it's a, I I don't know if I would go deeply sexist about the joke. I think the, the, to me, the bigger issue about the joke is not that it's offensive. It's that it's hack because it's really been five or six years since that's been a story Taylor Swift's been with the same dude for a while now. Like, I feel like there's a lot better example. It would be like going back to like Madonna if you wanted to come up with like a who's, you know, who's someone who's like a tramp, you know, like don't make those jokes anyway. But even if you did, 
they're both outdated examples. You got to get you got to get more now. You know, you got to oh, be you know more current. A, you know who's a real? You know who's a real fucking tramp? Who's who's today? Want to find a real a real tramp? Check out that Disney movie about those dogs when they eat that spaghetti and everything. I think he's more of he's more a tramp like a hobo as opposed to a tramp like I mean he does I'm assuming gets around but I I I feel like Disney meant that term more in terms of like goes from town to town a drifter. Oh, oh see what I thought is he liked to launch that red rocket up into some uh doggy Ilnana. There's that explicit tag once again. Every episode. Every episode I start off and I'm like, maybe this one will be for the kids. Did you see the live action Lady and the Tramp? No, I did not watch that. Um, there is some very gratuitous, uh, like, raw fuck action. There's no, that's not true. I don't it's not true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but someone, I forget what comedian, I wish I could take, uh, is it, it's I, one I of those Ben, uh, Ben Meckler tweets where he, no, but I love those. I love those. I love those, uh, where, where he, uh, gives the fake spoilers on, uh, the premiere screenings, but no, someone pointed out on Twitter, just how creepy it is when the dogs are eating pasta in the restaurant and in real life, the IRL owner is watching them, hoping these two. dogs get There's it There's two guys in the original cartoon. <laughs> there are two gentlemen serenading dogs. <laughs> like, think, if you think about it from the human perspective, it's not romantic. And the owner standing there just hoping these dogs bone. I mean, oh my god! You know what? Yeah, these dogs are gonna hook up. Like, yeah, it's in an alley behind his restaurant. It's like this is. I want to apologize for the several to the several people listening for for going for venturing into all of this dirty lady and the tramp talk. <laughs> Fucking gross! Oh, Lon, uh, I think is it time to talk about some stuff we watched? Yeah, coming up, we're gonna talk about stuff we watched. So, new to HBO Max, well, fairly new, past a couple, few weeks, It's a Sin, which chronicles the beginning of the AIDS crisis in Great Britain and in the world, but uh, focused on the goings-on in the UK, and it comes to us from the creator of Queer as Folk. Russell T. Davies, he also worked on Doctor Who, very memorably, and uh, years and years, he did that other show that it's a BBC HBO co-production just like this one uh, with Emma Thompson, that was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to tell you, so you and I were talking about this, Lon, and this is... Oh, peel back the curtain, why don't you? Yeah, and this is not territory that hasn't been covered before in you know in various different uh, projects boys in the band angels in america but one of the things that i found really lovely about this show i mean it's joyous and foreboding at the same time and the thing is the one of the things it does so well because we go into this and you know oh the, uh, the aids crisis is just nightmarish and uh, it took so many lives, and the level of uh, work on behalf of various governments and, uh, and 
health officials uh, in America, in the UK, was pitiful, and they basically let people die. So you know it's going to be dark, sad territory, but there's also a joyous aspect of it where you juxtapose the, the horror and the sadness with the the burgeoning lives of these people who are um, the, the gay people in this show, the, the first taste of freedom, being able to express themselves, being able to live their truth. There's such a, there's just a joy about that. And it makes the heaviness, the darkness of the crisis all the more of a gut punch because it is, it is juxtaposed with just some, some, just a rollicking good time that I don't feel like a lot of the other projects that have covered this territory get into as much. Because if you are, if your whole life, if your identity is stifled by religion, your family, traditions in your upbringing, and you, uh, and you have to live in secret, and then you finally get out on your own, and you're in a big city, and you're able to express yourself, there is such a pressure release there. And um, there's some, it, so it, 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 it does a really nice job of being joyous and then dropping the bomb of how horrific the crisis is. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I like, like you clearly enjoyed the show more than I did. I, I wasn't that I wasn't, you know, like I I, I, I was entertained. It, it's a it's a pretty good show. He's obviously a, a, a very talented writer who could write a, a large ensemble of different characters who are interesting and quirky and have their own, you know, feel like real people and have their own inner lives. So that that's that's a skill that Russell Davies has sort of carried into this show. And, and on some level, I feel like. Listen, if this doesn't connect with me on every deep, spiritual, meaningful level, like I'm a, you know, I'm a 42 year old cranky cishet white dude. It, it, uh, it doesn't need to connect with me on that level. Who gives a shit what I think? So if you love the show or if you agree with how that, that's fine to me. I don't know. Sometimes it really felt it felt tropey to me. It felt like. It felt like, well, this is what you would do if you were making a TV show about this, as opposed to more slice of life, which I guess is what I sort of expected it to be, um, or, or those are the expectations I sort of maybe carried in with me. Uh, you know, like a, a few examples. The, the, fir- the very first episode sort of ends with this. It is a juxtaposition, just like you were sort of saying, where we're cutting from one character. They don't even know what they are dying from because this is early enough. It's 81, I believe, early enough in the crisis that people still thought they were just getting pneumonia or mystery illnesses. So one character that we've met is dying of what we now recognize as as AIDS. Mm -hmm. Uh, And another character is, just as you say, has moved to London, has sort of found himself, has sort of found this community that accepts him. uh, And and he's he's living it up and 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 partying and and is is very carefree. And we're 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 cutting back and forth between these two sequences. And it feels it feels obvious to me. It feels like, well, that's a TV show about AIDS and how nobody knew how it was like the end of innocence for this whole generation and nobody saw this coming and and I I, I understand all that it, it it feels a little spoon fed to me the cishet guy I, I I think it's also indicative of the truth in as much as I mean 
Um, the the sex and love, just as it was in like the you know the summer of '69 or the free love '70s, it was you know it was um, abundant. And you, but you need to see that to show that it was also there was it was a ticking time bomb with the spread of this disease. So it gives you that sense of foreboding that like oh my god, the the freedom of this is also. You know, it's on a collision course with just this uh, devastating, it horrific. Just, it, it just feels yeah. like the the like things things happen that are the most the most obvious or the most tropey versions of themselves. Whereas I feel like I don't know. I I, I, I mean would, I think it takes liberties in in the storytelling, well, like the way I'll, that I'll, another example. There mm-hmm. there are two characters that main characters. There are other characters, but there are two main characters out of the key ensemble. Eventually, who who cat, get HIV or AIDS during the course of the five episodes, uh, and and both cases are like the extreme opposite ends of the spectrum. One is, I, I believe, a guy who were the implication is he gets he gets infected from his very first homosexual experience, and then the other one is like a guy who has slept with literally the entire city of London. Where I would like to add, both Hal and I have visited. I don't. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Either or both of us had gay sex while we were there. I'm not not saying that. I will leave that to you. But we have both been there. I just want you to all know that. Uh, so, I, I mean, just like that. Like, like I, I feel like most stories of most men living in London at this point in history who got AIDS, it was probably not one of those two. It was probably somewhere in the middle. And I feel like that's what the show is missing is the somewhere in the middle. And we're just getting these big picture kinds of storytelling, which is fine. Also, if you haven't, if you're not completely familiar with the that era and the spread of this disease, it's really informative and kind of horrifying. Just the lack of information and how much uh, health officials almost didn't care because it was affecting largely this community of uh, gays, homosexuals, and uh, also, or needle users, and it was like, oh, well, as long as it's not affecting the rest of the population, they were basically like, let it burn. Who cares? And it's just startling uh, to see that. But that point of view permeated into the actual community. Um, Ali Alexander, who plays uh, Richie Tozer, is talking direct to camera um, about what, a a fallacy that's yeah like uh, just like there there were people who who said the coronavirus was a hoax uh there was it was so just based in rumors and whispers about this gay cancer they called it and plague so he was he put forth this point of view that they're just trying to shut them down from having fun. And it's such a well-done sequence because he's walking through clubs and and parties. And meanwhile, the camera is just like on the steady cam following him around and he's talking and it's, uh, yeah, I, I thought it just, like I said, um, does a, a great job of bringing across the the lack of information, the joy of being free and able to live your life, but then the foreboding and the ramifications of what happened in this you know devastating period of time. Uh, so it's a sin. Uh, it is available to be watched on HBO Max. It is a five part limited series. Yeah, not coming back. Russell T Davies 
specifically did an interview this week where he said there will not be a season two. There you go. Coming up, oh, we're going to talk about uh, two of uh, Lon's favorite critters, Tom and Jerry. Love, love those, love those critters. Lon, Tom and Jerry, also, this is a HBO Max-centric episode. Tom and Jerry premiered over the weekend. I watched it. This was uh, one it, of those Warner Brothers movies that was going to come into theaters, but now we're watching it new on HBO Max because the air is poison. You know, oh, <laughs> and uh, we will not sit in movie theaters for the uh, foreseeable future. Maybe probably maybe in- would die. I'm just yes, putting that. But the I was watching this, and I know you love it when I bring up my wife. My wife came into the room and said, "Oh, that, the podcast, the, the the show that you do with uh, your friend Lon." Is it for grown-ups or kids? <laughs> how dare you? First of all, how dare you? But also, honestly, this brings up an excellent point, which I thought in my own brain when they first announced they were doing a Tom and Jerry movie, which is, uh, who the fuck is this for? Because do kids remember? Do 2021 children give a shit about Tom and Jerry? They were like old you're... when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You make a great point, Lon, because to- I watched Tom and Jerry back at the same time when you got home from school and you put on fucking Gilligan's Island or the yeah, Brady like, Bunch. I thought Tom and Jerry was like, this is kind of hokey old folks stuff when I was like eight. So I, it, it's weird to me that they feel like there is still enough of an audience among young people for these characters to begin with. But I, we're the idiots because it did well, like. People are watching mm-hmm. it, so there's an audience for Tom and Jerry, and we're yeah, the let me, farts who don't get it. Let, let me pick your brain for a second, Lon. Now, I was seeing some scuttlebutt that people were saying, like, ooh, th- Tom and Jerry did so well that it is maybe spelling a an uptick uh, that for, for cinema, for the movie theaters, cinema, for movie theaters, that Tom right. and Jerry did that well. It- well, right. It, it seems like audiences slowly but surely are starting to come back. There was that, I always thought overblown, there was that fear that once any streaming service starts adding original theatrical films, that's it. Americans will just be like, well, I refuse to ever go to a theater again. Hmm. Uh, and I don't think that's going to happen. And I think we're already seeing that people are actually desperate to get back to normal things like movie theaters as soon as they humanly possibly can now that they are getting vaccinated. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it does look like a generally good sign that, yeah, Tom and Jerry made almost $20 million over the weekend, which is good for these days and a movie that's not, you know, Avengers Endgame. It's just another movie, um, you know, especially I think we've seen family movies tend to be doing a little bit better. I think people have with kids are really desperate to get out of the house for a few hours. and The Croods sequel or Tom and Jerry is the perfect excuse. <laughs> Gotcha. What what did you think of this movie, Lon? I got people are really hating on this on the internet. And like, look, I get that it's not like a, like fine art, high, you know, brow cinema. I didn't think this was that bad. I actually kind of thought it like visually it was pretty well done. Like there are a lot of sequences that basically recreate a Tom and Jerry cartoon, except Tom and Jerry are animated and literally the entire world around them is live action. And I guess people are sort of jaded on that stuff, but they look really hard to do. And and a lot of movies that have done this don't do a very good job of combining live action and animation in a way that feels 
organic and that feels right on screen. And I thought Tim Story, who directed this, like, did a pretty good job. Like, it felt like Tom and Jerry were in this world, knocking shit over. There's There are a few shots where uh, Jerry, the mouse, is wearing a real tiny backpack that that I, I maybe it's just a very good digital effect, but it looks like a real backpack. And it's like, that's hard to do. You got to mm-hmm. like move it around reasonably. And Yeah, I, I thought there were a couple of sequences that were so good visually that it almost made like I'm not I wouldn't recommend this for um, for a, a grown up to watch. I, I will say for someone who's watched a, a lot of classic cartoons like Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry or uh, various Hanna-Barbera, the, the when you see a couple of characters getting a dust up and they get into a whirlwind, like the Roadrunner does this. It's, it's kind of a classic cartoon trope. They recreated that live action in a scene that takes place in a hotel lobby with Michael Pena walking a dog and the dog starts chasing Tom and then Jerry's right. in the Which, mix. It's, the I dog is that, from Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yes, it's yes. Uh, voiced by Bobby Cannavale in the movie, but mm-hmm. it's Spike. I believe Spike yep. is it. I thought that was so well done. It was so much fun to get into this animal tornado. I think that's what, uh, or animal hurricane, whatever Michael Pena calls it in the movie. That was really fun to not just um, have a nod to that classic cartoon trope, but really do it well and break it down. And I thought that was taking the medium that, that they were doing, the cartoon and the live action, and making the very most of it. Now, what I will say is... Um, it's completely not plausible on a, a cat was hired to work at a hotel. How yes. could that even happen? <laughs> well, what's weird too is, so they've created this world where like, there are just like all the animals are cartoons and everybody sort of accepts that. But then the movie keeps kind of changing its mind about whether people accept that. Like you would think of it like, okay, everybody just accepts that there are like cartoon animals in this world that are capable of acting like people. But then every once in a while, Michael Pena would be like, Yo, you hired a cat to work at this at this hotel? Why would you do that? That's crazy. It's like, no, but in your world, that's not crazy, Michael Pena. Make up I'll, your minds. Um, uh, I'll tell you something else I didn't like, Lon. Michael Pena took Spike, the big old bulldog, for a walk. The bulldog, this big old, like, muscly bulldog, had to take a massive dump in the middle of the street. We did not get to see an animated dump. I wanted to see an animated pile of dookie. But nope. We it was uh the, he took the dump, Michael Pena. I thought we were going to go into like listen, Colin Joseph plays a supporting role here and I did not think he was really up to test. Like I think we were going to get a real like a real piece of criticism. We got like why isn't there cartoon singing? Food? I thought that that is a real piece of criticism, Lon. I thought that was an opportunity missed. I wanted to see the poop. You don't listen. It's like Chekhov's poop. You don't. You don't hint to us that there may be poop and then not reveal the poop. Exactly. If 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 you hint about the poop, you got to use the poop. If but, the bomb and, is introduced in Act One, it must go off. That's, yes. that's the Hitchcock. If, rule. A gu- if you pull a gun on stage, you must fire it. Yeah. And uh, here is the, the the thing: we have like we had a. a we we had a, a, a one of our great films of recent years, the Emoji Movie. There was a full on poop character, right? Patrick Stewart provided the voice, sir. Sir Patrick Stewart. Excuse me. Well, listen, this is America, Hal. We don't have we don't have lords and ladies. He's just Patrick here. All right. 
I'm going to okay. stand by that. Okay, Mark Hamill from the Grubhub <laughs> commercial or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> the Oh, and yeah, I, I was kind of nonplussed by the whole Colin uh, Jost. I, what did... Why were they socialites, he and his fiance? Oh, her dad. Her dad was. So, yeah, her dad is a prominent business. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't know. It's uh, the Tom and Jerry. It's the Tom and Jerry movie. I will say there's a lot of very funny people in this movie, but they're not really given a lot of funny. The, the, the emphasis is so much on the cartoons to be funny. Also, it's th- weird that Tom and Jerry can't talk, but they are like such a focal point of the movie. The hijinks are they, fun. I feel like they pulled that off already. Right. It's just why, like, if you're going to give me Michael Pena and Rob Delaney and all of these funny people on the margins, you're just like, give them at least one scene to sort of showcase the fact that you put some funny actors in this. They felt like they're purely just there to like, guys, come on. You know, like they're purely there to be the straight men. For the for the animated uh, amusements, this is true. But if you enjoy animated amusements, you could as I do. You could do a little bit worse than Tom and Jerry. Oh, you could do worse. I thought it you was it was perfectly it was fine. Fun. It, I had it on in the background. It was perfectly fine. There you go. Put it on in the background and do something else. Occasionally glance up at it, and uh, like, you know what? <laughs> an hour and a, an hour and a half Hi, later, jinx. you uh, you'll have you'll you'll have had a, a couple of quiet smiling nods to yourself that's my impression of me watching anything funny is occasionally i'm just like ha ha hijinks i like that i like that yeah. one all I right enjoy hijinks. so we do have a guest i'm going to turn the mic over to an an old friend one of my conservative leaning friends that i went to high school with uh, wow please. i admire that you have conservative leaning friends you're reaching across the aisle i am reaching across the aisle the bleeding heart lib that i am and please welcome in my uh, my old pal russ charnock russ charnock hal i want to thank you for having me here and um you know what first off uh you two soy boys Sorry to call you that, Hal. Lon, you uh, you seem a little bit like a, a real uh, lefty, a real leftist to me. Do you want to cancel Ms. Gina Carano? Uh, it's not really up to me. It was up to uh, the suits at Disney. But I feel like she had her. She had a chance. She was given more than ample opportunity. All and, right, uh, settle down, soy boy, because I'm about to uh, address that right here and now. Because all of these soy boys and girls have tried to cancel Gina, Gina Carano, but nope, sorry, y'all know she signed on with Mr. Ben Shapiro, and I got a little pitch that I am going to send your way. And Gina, if you're listening, Ben, if perk up your tiny little ears, this is for I believe you. Ben Shapiro does listen to this show, so I think this is a good way to reach him. All right. Ben Shapiro, one of my very favorite Jews. So... Gina Carano. Gina Carano is a futuristic super soldier. She's like Captain America, Black Widow, and RoboCop fucked and had a baby that is super yoked and smart as shit. All right, Lon? But then, look out. The globalists who created this super soldier, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, she's a little too smart. She won't go along with our agenda of taking the guns and sticking needles in people's arms to give them the vaccine that'll mess with their DNA, fiddle with their RNA, and maybe uh, even give them HPV. 
Is that how RoboCop became capable of impregnating someone? I don't know. But that's uh, a, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on that point of your pitch. It's like I, I, Ro- RoboCop could that not. Was, that was father of that father was figuratively. That was a. There was not an actual orgy where RoboCop took out a either metal or human penis. I don't think RoboCop even has. RoboCop only has the uh, uh, Peter Weller's face. Okay, that that was what I was stuck on. So she's just a she's just a badass, and you were just making a comparison. But maybe if it was like the new RoboCop, because that guy had hands, didn't he have his his hands? I think RoboCop has a hand. Does he have one one of two hands? We one gets blown off for sure. Anyway, this RoboCop does not have a penis to participate in an orgy. Right. That, this was I'm, a yeah, figurative, a I'm, figurative orgy. I didn't mean, listen, I feel like I've derailed the pitch a little bit with my RoboCop question. So God, I was pitching a figurative orgy. I, under, I understand. If there was an actual orgy between Captain America, Black Widow, RoboCop, Wonder Woman, uh, this, this Iron is, Maybe this is the movie, honestly. like this. Feel, I feel like we, we should maybe live in this world. You know what? I would put down money to see that movie. Yeah, but I think, I think Ben, I know you're Ben. We, if we could speak right to, 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 if you're not Ben Shapiro, please stop listening to the podcast right now. Ben. Yes. No, you and I, we're pitching. We're, okay. I, I think the two of us have a really solid idea here, Ben, and you should reach out via the Binge Boys. Not not the Gina Carano badass story, RoboCop orgy. That, that Robo, I think, is the pitch. RoboCop. But in this version, you would have to make it clear that RoboCop, his penis was salvaged. Because he was shot up like a piece of Swiss cheese. And we thought he was done. And just his pretty, they saved his pretty face. But no, they also saved his 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 manhood. I think that's the, there. there's your title right there. They saved RoboCop's penis, exclamation point. But not just his penis, his testicles. Because that's where the semen lives in the balls. Semen lives in the balls. So you need his semen if this was going to be RoboCop impregnating Black Widow or Wonder Woman or something. Very to important make for continuity in case we do want to do a gina carano sequel to this i think we want to establish that would we go would we go uh triple x with this or would would it be like an r or an nc-17 this is is the great thing about streaming via the daily wire baby no rules no censorship we're not like outback steakhouse no rules we're not we're not canceling your orgy scene by giving it a rating that's not that doesn't sound like freedom to me back to gina carano Okay. So the glo- the globalists want to want to want to want to fiddle with your RNA and they want to vaccinate everybody and Gina Carano she's like uh-uh I ain't going along with it she goes into one of these globalist generals office let's say as general zod okay she goes into general zod's office and she says nope I'm not going to help with this plan and general zod is like all right we got to get rid of her so they order a strike. They order a, a SWAT team full of ninjas to descend upon Gina Carano while she's just sitting there enjoying a sandwich. She's just in her house eating a sandwich. Boom, these ninjas come in, and she picks them off one by one like she's shooting puppies in a swimming pool. Bing, bang, boom. And then once they're done, the generals see this, and they say, all right. Call in the strike. And they launch a nuclear warhead. Boom! Mushroom cloud. They think uh, Gina Carano is a thing of the past. You know what they say? She's been canceled. But then, 
wait for it long. Oh, I'm waiting. Ba-boom. 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 A heartbeat. Then, close up, we see her hand moves. Gina Carano is still alive. The nuclear strike did not finish her. And she is out for justice. She is going to take out these globalist generals who launched this attack on her. And she's going to destroy General Zod and General Cornwallis and General Mills. All right, she is out for it. And she goes and she wrecks shop and she does it Mortal Kombat style. She rips out spinal cords. She pulls a still beaten heart out of a chest, shows it to a dying man. She takes a tongue and pulls that tongue so far out of that mouth and creates a noose out of that tongue and hangs General Mills. You know who this movie stars? Kevin Sorbo, John Voight. James Woods, Christy Swanson, Adam Carolla, Dr. Drew Pinsky, Gina Carano. <laughs> some, some non-professional actors in there. Gina Carano is yeah. uncancelable. That's the name, uncancelable. Yeah. Now, are Dr. Drew and Adam Pinsky playing, are, are, yeah, Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla playing themselves? Because they're not, I don't, like, are they the hosts of Loveline in this? Because I don't know if they're up to... No, they're they are Real some active. they are they are a couple of fast talking uh, government uh, government employees who uh, ah, yeah, we, we gotta we gotta cancel Gina Carano, huh? Not today, Adam Carolla. <laughs> I mean, Lon, let me ask you, pitch aside, are you a fan of Adam Carolla's irreverent comedy? No, 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 no. I used to be. I like. I Step grew your up. Game up. Step I grew game. up in Southern California, where Adam Carolla was on the radio all the time, and I was like, "Oh, delightful!" Uh, morning zoos, Adam Carolla. What about Loveline? Uh, Did listening to Loveline teach you? Yeah, I listened to Loveline for years. Here, he's, he's his his turn to Prager U disciple has been um, very disappointing for me. Uh, I've I'm still with him. I'm still with him. Well, the pitch is out there. If if anybody wants it. Uh, you can contact me. I, I could actually use the money for uh, some to help with my alimony, and uh, so uh, there it is. All right, I want to thank our guest, uh, Russ Charnock. Russ, Russ Charnock. Thank you. I forgot his name, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to make a thing out of it. Oh, d- no worries, no worries. Oh, uh, Russ, you're still there. I definitely remembered your name. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Russ. Yeah, thank Okay, he's gone. I didn't remember that guy's name you know, at all. Two seconds after you said it, I was like, I don't know who I'm talking to. It, 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 listen, it pays to, uh, to, to keep in touch uh, with, uh, with, with some of your old high school pals. Yeah, they, literally, in one ear, out the other. Every, everything the man said. I, I, try, I tried to hang in there, but I don't know. A lot of, a lot of violence. Yeah, I mean, there, there was there was a lot of violence. There was there was some set, there was I mean there it took a real turn for the for an orgy. Uh, there was a right that part. I was I was laser focused. It was it was when we drifted away from that that I started to kind. He of, started. Yeah, to you got a little too into that lawn. Uh, you, your your screen went dark for a second. It's we yeah weird. I pulled a tube in on you. I shouldn't do that. Yep. Uh, well. That was the, you know, who knows? Maybe that's coming to a screening, uh, like a, one of our, we might be talking about this Gina Carano movie on Amazon Prime. I mean, from, listen, we know that Ben Shapiro listens to every episode that we put out. He's a huge Binge Boys fan. We hear from him all the time. So, I mm-hmm. mean, look, he's the one who's producing this Gina Carano film. 
So to every possibility that he just liked what he heard, he's going to steal Russ's idea because who's Russ? Fuck that guy. There's brain pills to be sold. Uh, and I think, you know, Ben, Ben might pick this up and run with it. I think this is, this, this says, this is definitely as good, if not better than what he has come up with. Absolutely. Well, Gina Carano is uncancelable, according to Russ Charnock. Lon, I think she's I already, feel- it's already happened. It's too late. <laughs> but I think making the Ben Shapiro movie is the sign that you are, in fact, a cancelable. A, an, a valid observation. Uh, Hoot Hoot Lawn, uh, I want to say thanks to Owl Nation for listening. What is Owl Nation? It's whatever you want it to be. There's a little owl that lives in all of us. I want to thank Starburns Audio. I want to thank our producer, Adam Macias, and Jason Kay for making the, 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 the sweet rockin' licks that open the show. Lon, tell folks where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's probably the best place. Uh, that's where I share most of the stuff I'm working on. And if you want to read more of my thoughts about streaming TV, uh, good, bad news updates, I publish a newsletter five days a week called Inside Streaming, all about this stuff. You can subscribe to there for free. It's at inside.com slash streaming. Thank you, Lon. And you You're can welcome. find me at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram. H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K. Join me for fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please go and rate us on iTunes. Give Give us five stars if you're so inclined. Otherwise, you know, maybe keep it to yourself but uh <laughs> thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time bye bye boys 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 boys